electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Last Call, a nasty jolt. President Biden making a controversial move on natural gas, but is it really a win for climate activists? A deep fake red alert, fake images of Taylor Swift flooding social media. It's got a lot more to do with your money than you might think. The Maui wildfires six months later is nearly a billion dollars actually reaching victims. You'll uncover some surprising answers. Plus. Race against the screen. Amazon Prime video users bracing for a rude awakening come Monday. And making bank on the Lions. Detroit businesses riding high on the team's epic run. We're going to head live to one of its most beloved bars ahead of Sunday's critical game. All that and more over the next hour or so. Buckle up or belly up in Detroit. Last call is up right now. All right, happy Friday, everybody. Good evening here. Good afternoon out west. I'm Brian Sullivan. Got all that and more coming up across the hour. But first up on last call, a round of applause for the markets. Record-breaking week. Today, the Dow hit another high, meaning it ended at a record high. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ fell a little bit on the day. But don't let those slight declines take away from the week overall. Both the S&P 500 and Dow hitting record highs. The S&P closing at a new record just yesterday hitting a new intraday high today, and now the NASDAQ is just 5% from its record high. In other words, the market is, is high. But consider this, the calm before next week's possible storm. Now, why do we say that? Because it is an earnings abundanza next week. Four, the big seven reporting their numbers, Alphabet, Microsoft, Amazon, and Meta. And that is not all. You're going to get the under-the-hood view into a bunch of different companies and industries. you got GM. UPS, Pfizer, MasterCard, Chevron, and more, all reporting during the week next week. That's in addition to a heavily scrutinized, no doubt, Boeing. And if earnings were not enough, you've also got a critical Fed meeting. And while they are not expected to make a move on interest rates either way, up or down, it is what Jay Powell and company say about possible future rate cuts that will push your money around. And any sniff of an earlier rate cut could send stocks popping even higher, or maybe the opposite. So we start tonight with, will the rally survive its first real test of 2024? Let's take it to a guy who was one of the only ones to get it correct last year, Carson Group Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, you got earnings, you got the Fed, you got technical momentum. What are you watching most closely with regards to the market next week? Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me back. And TGIF, everyone. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you think about it. Listen, we know the year started off a little rocky. I mean, we're impressed, right? I know a lot of us are about this strength that we're starting to see now. And I know small caps are still lagging. Mid caps are lagging. But just big picture, we're still optimistic. I mean, next week has some big things out there. Let's just real quickly summarize this week. Inflation's coming back. 
Real incomes are hitting all-time highs, right? Manufacturing surveys are getting better. Services surveys are good. I mean, there really are a lot of things that to us, Brian, still say no recession. And one final thing here, remember a couple of years ago when good news was bad news and bad news was good news? Well, it sure looks to us like we're back in a world where good news, like we saw a lot of good economic news this week, and we're hitting all-time highs. Good news is back to good news, and that's a nice change from where we were in 2022, Because if you I assume me. you mean good news on inflation. The rate is yep. coming down. Right. The prices are still elevated, but the rate is coming down, which means the Fed is in. Tell us in your mind, do you think the Fed will indeed cut rates this year? And if so, roughly how many times do you think? Yeah, we, we do think they definitely will cut. I mean, inflation's coming back. We saw that again today. We're not so sure they're going to cut in March, though. I know it's less than a coin flip now. I mean, the, economic, the economy's strong, but the truth is 0% interest rates. They hiked them over five, as we all know. To slow down inflation, to slow down the economy. Well, the economy's still hanging in there, clearly, but inflation, we don't need rates here. Now, we think we'll probably four to five cuts this year, Brian, is what we'll see, 25 basis point cuts. I know the Fed fund futures are looking at maybe six to seven, so maybe a little bit less there, but all in all, you know, I mean, it is it is a nice scenario. Let's not forget when the Fed starts cutting. We, we took a look at this just this week. Everybody's wondering when the Fed cuts, what happens? We all remember 2001 and 2007, not good times after they started to cut. But if they're more normalizing, a la 89, a la 1995, 2019, you know what? A year later, stocks usually do pretty darn good. And that's the scenario we think we are in. Yeah. Also, some positive data around the election. But I want to move on yep. to, to, to a different point. And I think it's an interesting one that trader and technician, his name is Sven Heinrich, has been on with us many, many times. Great guy out of London. I call him the sarcastic Viking. He made this point on X. He claims that falling inflation is causing or perhaps leading to some of the high amount of layoff announcement recently. The argument is this. Since companies are not or cannot pass on higher costs to consumers or companies anymore, they're going to have to cut somewhere else, in this case, possibly employees. What are your thoughts? Well, we're not seeing very much in the uh, initial claims data yet, right? I guess we'll get this Friday. We'll see. So maybe there's some uh, people being laid off. But I'll tell you, Brian, we're not we're not seeing it yet. I mean, you know, and again, we live in a world. One of the things I talked to you probably a month ago, we think higher productivity is coming this year, right? We had 8 million people get jobs last two years. They're staying where they are. They're getting better at their jobs. AI is here. So with higher productivity, maybe you don't have to hire quite as many people. But as this cycle ages, I think that's perfectly normal. And listen, this stage of the cycle, I mean, layoffs happen that that's the honest truth but I, you know we're just not seeing too many cracks uh, in the employment backdrop yet we'll see what friday says but we're not seeing it yet yeah a little bit in the tech side we highlighted what we know that's a small distinct part of the yeah. overall economy it's not probably going to show up in the claims data at least for a while but ryan dietrich mm -hmm. you've been right you're staying long you're staying strong and we appreciate it have a good weekend my man i'd say good luck to your Bengals, but well Who's winning this weekend, Brian? Before we do, who who you calling? Who who your two teams? They don't, they don't, well, they don't the, Ra leave. the the Ravens. I'm just Ravens. I, I want the Lions. I don't. I you yeah. know it's gonna it's a it's an uphill battle, but I am I am definitely rooting for the Lions. And to prove it, tune in at the last segment of this show, and you'll see what we mean. Okay. Ryan Dietrich. Thank you. We are going live to Rock City, Motor City, Detroit. Ryan, thank you. All right, let's take a look at what happened inside the markets this week. Here are your studs and duds. No shocker of the week. Netflix up 18 percent. 13 million new subscribers. Oil services company Halliburton, second best. United Rentals, up well tied. How about that? 10.5% of the week. You're dud. Archer Daniels, Midland, down 24%. CFO put on leave, apparently over counting issues. Tesla, second worst in the S&P. Tough earnings call from Elon Musk. And DuPont, down 12% as well. Weaker demand from China there. All right. 
We are just getting going on a live last call on a Friday and coming up deep fake explicit images of Taylor Swift shocking social media and things could soon turn a whole lot worse. But next, a relatively controversial move by President Biden on natural gas has many out there wondering what exactly is the goal of this new energy policy? We'll talk about it coming up. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, let's get random and interesting about bridges. That's right, bridges, not Jeff, but bridges. Specifically, two bridges in America. One is the Golden Gate Bridge in California. The other is the John A. Blatnick Bridge. Now, the Blatnick Bridge connects Duluth, Minnesota to Superior, Wisconsin. It is an important bridge for the community and industries like logging. Now, the Blatnick Bridge is old, and it needs to be replaced. So yesterday, the two states were given $1 billion federal taxpayer dollars to rebuild the bridge. Minnesota and Wisconsin are also throwing in $400 million each. So the final tally... The old Blotnick Bridge is going to cost $1.8 billion to replace. Now, that looking at the bridge, that sounded like a lot of money. So when I heard it, I wanted to go ahead and try to make some comparison. Well, here you go. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco was finished in 1937. It cost $27 million at the time. Well, that $27 million back then is $587 million in today's dollars. So the Golden Gate Bridge coming in, at just under $600 million in today's money. The Blatnick Bridge coming in at $1.8 billion. The shorter, lower Blatnick Bridge coming in with a price tag three times more expensive than arguably the most famous bridge in the world. Your guess is as good as mine, folks, but just watch out for those tolls. Random, but interesting. All right, now to another big D.C.-related story. is reported extensively last night by shows like this, the White House announced today a new dictate that would, quote, pause some new export terminals for liquefied natural gas, LNG. And as we have been reporting for a few years now, American natural gas has been helping keep the lights and the heat on in Europe and parts of Asia. Germany, in particular, is a massive buyer of American natural gas after the Nord Stream pipeline was sabotaged. Now, that sabotage left a shortage of about 155 billion cubic feet of natural gas going into Europe. Natural gas volumes can be incredibly confusing, even to us. So in basic terms, 155 billion cubic feet is about the equivalent of 1,500 shiploads 
of liquefied natural gas every single year. 1,500 ships coming from somewhere. Now, the White House edict is being hailed as a win for environmentalists in the fight against climate change. But there is another side. Some of the projects that may ultimately now be stalled or be canceled, who knows, have already committed to sell their gas to these countries like Germany, Japan, Korea, and others. And while a White House source did tell me last night that they have called their German counterparts and assured them there would be enough gas, if there is not, then Germany will have to buy from Qatar or even Russia for more gas. Remember, Russia never stopped selling liquefied natural gas. Germany, it's also been ramping up on dirty coal production to fill the energy void. Think about that. They killed nuclear. Gas is not enough. Solar and wind aren't doing enough. So they're digging out more coal. And since we know that science shows that burning natural gas produces half as much carbon dioxide per unit of energy versus coal, how much of this really is a global climate win? U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm joined CNBC this morning to talk about the pause. The pause would make no difference whatsoever because none of the projects would be, um, would be exporting natural gas. Nothing will change in terms of what is currently being exported or what is currently under construction. This is just a pause so that we can have an assessment. Now, even if that pause does not impact current exports, like the energy secretary said, will the decision delay risk alienating Biden from the energy industry and maybe big business writ large? Or can he make it up on the environmental side? Joining us now with more is former North Dakota senator and CBC contributor Heidi Heidkamp and political insider and Skybridge Capital founder Anthony Scaramucci. Senator Heidkamp, uh, as soon as Secretary Granholm went on this morning with Squawk Box, my, my phone started blowing up, as you might imagine, because I think the risk is she is correct that nothing in project or currently being exported is at risk. That's all going to happen. But do you feel like there's a risk that that money is going to back off of future projects that may or may not now have an uncertain outcome? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, predictability is a major initiative or major priority for investors. Can we rely that there's going to be a market? These are not built for like a short-term investment. These are long-term investments. And I want to make this point, Brian. I have to disclose that I represented the natural gas industry, the guys who want to curtail methane emissions, the guys who want to do this right. But when you look at the numbers, you can't achieve the climate goals without natural gas and without nuclear. And there's got to be at some point a reckoning or a dialogue with environmentalists saying, look, you you are, you are killing the goose that lays the golden egg as it relates to climate. And we know that one of the reasons why the United States has been successful in curtailing CO2 and actually has seen a decrease is the conversion from coal to natural gas. Natural <coughs> gas can be, uh, the CO2 behind it can yeah. be sequestered. And so I think that this is a political move and not a logical move even for climate. Yeah, uh, Anthony, I mean, listen, Climate change is a global problem. It is not centered around southwestern Louisiana. So if we're not doing something, if, we're, if we move the business to Russia or Qatar or Germany has to dig out and burn more coal, I'm just not sure how that's a win. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. Right now, the exports will grow from 14 million metric tons to 26 million metric tons just out of the U.S. But what's your take on, on this quote-unquote pause? 
Well, you just got in three minutes or less why Senator Heitkamp was such a successful public servant because she's so direct and so honest and wants to do the right thing. Uh, this is part of our national pastime, which is hypocrisy. They're doing this because they think it's going to help galvanize their base uh, coming into the election. And so you know this, I know this, Senator Heitkamp knows this, coal very bad, oil bad, liquid natural gas somewhat better, a lot better, and our policy be, policy should be transitioning into LNG, not away from it or pausing it because they think it's going to help them optically. And so we had this problem uh, at the beginning of the Biden administration. We cut the oil drilling, and then we had to see President Biden fly to Saudi Arabia and ask the crown prince to export more oil. So I, I wish know, they would not. I wish they would not do this, Brian. Uh, but this is in the spirit of a campaign season. But, I, but I, I, I tweeted this out or X'd it out, whatever, last night, and it's true. And I say it, and people say, "Well, it's not because of it, Anthony." We are the number one oil producer in the world, not just now, but ever. We're producing more oil than any country in the history of the world right now. We're also the number one exporter of natural gas. I mean, if you would have told me that was the case three years ago, January 2024, I would have said you're nuts. But it is the case. But do you think that is because of or in spite of the energy policies that we have right now? No, it's just really good technology. And it's because of fracking and all the good things that we solve for here in the United States. I mean, but but the truth be told, when you tell people you're cutting back, it's political symbolism. Listen, I was in Iraq on a troop support mission in 2011. Uh, General Lloyd Austin, now our defense secretary, asked for 20,000 troops. The Obama administration cut it back to 900. They did that for political purposes. And I think the administration is going to be making decisions now based on how it's going to galvanize their base for re-election, whether they're necessarily the right or wrong decisions for the country or the overall environment, I think it's unclear. And I think I think they have to be called out on yeah, it. Yeah, well, I echo the comments about Senator Heidkamp. Senator, I will end on this. Anthony mentioned the troops. We had a missile reportedly hit an oil tanker today. Obviously, the activity around the Red Sea is heating up. We've had attacks inside of Iraq, which have injured American servicemen at the Al-Aqsa Air Base there as well. Obviously, the ongoing a fight, war, whatever you want to call it, in Gaza between Israel and Hamas. Where does this all go? Are, are, can, we, can we get out of what appears to be a lot of different conflagrations happening at the same time without stepping into another messy, big war in the Middle East? Well, I have to uh, uh, applaud Tony Blinken, our Secretary of State. He understands the the likelihood that this will escalate if we don't somehow tap this down. And so he understands the danger within the region. I think the American public does too. And so that's why it's so important that we have reasoned discussion. Israel is entitled to defend itself. There's no one who could look at what happened in October on the 7th and say that was in any way um, something that should not be responded to. But by the same token, we have a regional uh, uh, dispute that is growing and could potentially grow. And I think Blinken's doing the right thing, trying to use diplomatic measures to basically solve this problem or at least cool the temperature while while things get sorted out. Yeah, I know some him, he and his team have been putting in the miles, getting on the ground to try to calm it down. Senator Heidi Heidkamp of North Dakota, Anthony Scaramucci, have a great weekend. See you soon. 
too. Bro. All right, still ahead. You were warned. Nude deepfake images of Taylor Swift flooding social media, but investors and voters should also be in attention to the story. Peter Diamandis is here on set with why. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. All right, welcome back. On last call, we talk a lot about the risks and the benefits of artificial intelligence to society. Just this week, issues surrounding the technology plagued both the president and the world's biggest pop star, Taylor Swift. Let's start with Swift. New deepfake images of the singer went viral on X, garnering more than 27 million views before the account was suspended. While the image origins are unclear, experts tell NBC News it was a very high likelihood they were created using artificial intelligence. The White House today urging Congress to take action on the matter. Even Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella echoing those concerns in an exclusive interview with NBC Nightly News' Lester Holt. Absolutely, this is uh, alarming and terrible. And so therefore, yes, we have to act. Uh, and quite frankly, I think all of us in the tech platform, irrespective of what you know, you're standing on, you know, on any particular issue, is I think we'll all benefit when the online world is a safe world. And so I don't think anyone uh, would want an online world that is completely not safe for both for content creators and content consumers. So therefore, I think that it behooves us to go move fast on this. Then, of course, there was the fake Biden robocall that circulated before the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday telling residents not to vote. Again, still no one implicated in that threat to democracy. But according to experts... That, too, was almost certainly created with AI. But this is also an investor story. Remember, a fake image of an explosion of the Pentagon went viral last May and briefly caused major stock sell-offs. So how concerned should we be about AI and deepfakes? Bring in somebody who knows maybe more about this topic than anybody that is serial entrepreneur and futurist. Peter Diamandis, he is the founder of the XPRIZE competition, the Singularity Group, and generous and kind enough on a Friday night, live to join us on set in New Jersey. Peter, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Great to be here. How you, you, in your recent blog post, you said seeing is no longer believing and that AI is the most important technology humanity has ever created. Now, we could probably fight about that for a while, but why, why do you say that? Uh, it's a technology that is going to impact us in ways we can't even understand, both good and bad, right? So every year I pull together 500 CEOs, investors, and we talk about the future, we call it Abundance 360. And this year, our theme is called the Great AI Debate, which is, are you a boomer or a doomer? Are, do you want it to go as fast as possible, or do you want to slow it and stop it down? Now, the reality is, when we talk about deep fakes, we're talking about the malevolent uses of that, right? We talk about the positive uses, we call them avatars. Mm -hmm. And they're amazing things, right? They're gonna be avatars. I have an avatar, do you have one? We did one on the show a number of months ago. It's probably our most watched segment. And, you know, and it was, it was pretty doggone good. And so these avatars are gonna give us the ability to connect with thousands of individuals, customer service, marketing, sales, 
bring your loved ones back to life and so forth. Are there problems? Yes. Here's the thing. We haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning, the knee of the curve, right? So a couple years ago in the old days, it would take you 30 seconds to generate a deep fake image. Now we can generate 100 images in a second, right, which is video or high def video. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start to see deep fake videos like this, but also going to start to see uh, the reinvention of Hollywood the reinvention yeah. of make the film that you want in the moment. I, I don't worry as much about AI as much as I worry about AI creating AI because right now it's humans that are programming and sort of ordering the machine to do something. Somebody ordered that Biden robocall. Somebody did the Taylor Swift thing. It's when the computers start thinking for themselves yeah. that I'm a little bit concerned. So we can, we can split AI into three segments. Today, I would say it's pretty damn good. It's useful. It's helping a lot of people. It's not taking too many jobs. There's the next one to five years, which is the part that I'm concerned about. It's not artificial intelligence. It's human stupidity I'm worried about mostly, mm -hmm. right? It's humans using AI for malevolent purposes. And then there's the post, what we call artificial general intelligence, five years and out, right? How is it? There are a lot of amazing, valuable, positive elements of AI. It's going to enable us to Will have- Will it wipe out the job market? Uh, G GDP in America has grown every year for 25 years, and yet the yeah. demand and need for workers yeah. just isn't there. So uh, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's going to reinvent the job market. It's going to reinvent how we do things. Uh, a friend of mine uh, has said, listen, when robo-taxis take over, maybe the taxi driver should be an owner in those robo-taxis, right? In other words, we're going to have to reinvent the economy, but we're also going to demonetize the economy. You know, if, if you don't need, if you have, if every single person has the most amazing AI educator, right, an AI that knows your children, knows their language skills, knows what they can and cannot do, mm. it takes the, the cost of education to zero and ups the level of education. The same thing for medicine. Uh, it's going to transform all of medicine. Which could be good. You, and by the way, you mentioned kids, and I'm glad you mentioned kids, because right now we're talking about Taylor Swift pictures and a Biden robocall and, and this kind of stuff. You have talked about incidences of, and you got a blog out there, but you can go read it. By the way, I'll post it when the show's over, that parents are getting robocalls from their children, or what they think is their children, yeah. saying, I'm in jail, I need money. There's a way to protect, that's very non-techy, right? For sure, so you can clone a person's voice from a few seconds, right, and get a phone call from your grandson or granddaughter and think it's them, and I'm in jail, can you send some money? And that can happen, it's happening, I've had two friends that's happened to in their families. Really? Here's what you need, the, the pro tip here is a code word that you at your family, at your dinner table, you agree on, should that ever happen, you know, use that code word to protect yourself. You know, there are four things we have to think about for deep fakes right now. Regulation, we have to make it illegal. There has to be strict, you know, penalties against that. Yeah. The second thing- You think is, whoever made that Biden robocall should go to jail? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. They told people not to vote. It, well, yeah, it's counterfeiting, right? The challenge is that regulations move very slowly and we need we need the counter forces here to move at the speed of AI. And it's really white height, black height. It's entrepreneurs using AI to fight this. The third thing is we're gonna need to see sort of technology innovation. Like when, when high resolution color copiers came out, you could actually counterfeit money. Print money. Right, you could print money. And then a consortium of 30 banks got together with the copier companies like Xerox, and they came up with protocols that make it impossible for you to copy money on a copying machine. 
The final thing which might come is interesting, which is a cultural change. Are we going to, today we default to believing. Are we going to default to actually disbelieving what we see? So every time we see something that's edgy, uh, that's a deep fake. Oh, that's a deep fake. It's going to be an interesting cultural shift if they become that could actually enough. be a good. I could see that being. A it could good be. Thing. It could be a good thing. Maybe could, more skepticism is actually yeah. positive positive you know, outcome. Yeah, we'll it's see. an important part of the future. Well, listen, uh, your conference sounds amazing. Uh, I hope to attend at some point, some year. I won't understand what you guys are saying, yes, you but I'll sit in the back quietly. Peter <laughs> Diamandis, thank you so much. Uh, safe travels back to California. Thank you. Bro. Welcome back anytime. A pleasure. Thank Looking you. Look forward to it. All right, coming up, it has been nearly six months since wildfires devastated Maui. But what has happened to the nearly $1 billion in relief for victims? Jane Wells is live in Maui following the money. Yeah, Brian, I'm right outside Lahaina. Some of the money we've been able to follow, some of the money we can't, and some things money can't seem to fix. We'll have that after the break. All right, welcome back. It has been nearly six months since the catastrophic and deadly wildfires in Maui, Hawaii, that displaced a major portion of the island. Jane Wells is in Lahaina with a look at how things stand the nearly $1 billion in relief funds raised for Maui victims. Nearly six months after 100 people died in the worst fire in modern U.S. history, the Army Corps of Engineers is just now being let in to clear debris from Lahaina, while all over Maui, thousands of fire victims are still living in hotels. On the move. Fafita Niu lost his home in the fire, and for months his family has been living at the Royal Lahaina Resort, along with a thousand other people. You feel homesick, you feel uh, not like you can't, you can't stretch out or something, you know what I mean? Like normally what you do at home, it's not home. The hotel is being paid a government rate to house everyone, but it could make a lot more money from tourists. We've offered up to Red Cross that we would be available as long as they need uh, to provide accommodations for, for the survivors. And we, you know, we were the first, we'll be the last. But hundreds of millions of dollars of private money has come into Maui. Where did it go? We tracked some of it. Walmart, for example, has donated a million and a half dollars in grants and goods. We gave away containers of merchandise, at least one full container of ice and at least one full container of rice. The People's Fund of Maui, started by Oprah and The Rock, say they've handed out $50 million in monthly stipends to 8,000 people. Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez promised $100 million. So far, they've spent 15 and a half, sending it to places like the Maui Humane Society. So right now we're caring for more than 300 um, animals from the fires of our 600 animals total that we're caring for. Government loans are helping some small businesses like Maui Memories in the heart of Lahaina, now completely gone. Have you thought of leaving Maui? I did. <laughs> but owner Danny White says not only will she stay, she's reopening in March on another part of the island. I have employees who are waiting to come back to me and I want to support them too. The concern though is that a lot of people from here won't stay. There will be no place they can afford to live. Where do you think you're going to be in a year? In a year, I'm probably going to be in Trenton, Missouri. <laughs> Missouri. FEMA and the, uh, and the local government are offering short-term rental owners top dollar if they'll convert to long-term for fire victims. But not enough of those owners have stepped up, and the governor is now threatening to ban Airbnbs in this part of Maui if they don't.
And today, Brian, I mean, the whole place is a little bit frozen in time. Just today, the AP is reporting that authorities have finally identified the 100th known victim from that fire last August. Jane, we, we can see the barricades behind you. And if you don't know this, I apologize. I don't want to put you on the spot. It, why are we still, why is the media still blocked out? I, I get at the beginning, right? It was a disaster scene. People were killed. Why six months later is the media still not allowed in? Uh, well, I'll tell you, we were the first and only camera allowed in in a very long time. The Army Corps of Engineers led us in today onto Front Street where and to places where they were um, removing the debris. Front Street hasn't changed much. And I think part of the reason we haven't been let in is is cultural considerations, respect for the victims. Also, maybe because they because nothing has changed much. I will say there was one optimistic sign the iconic legendary banyan tree that everybody thought was lost in the heart of Lahaina is starting to sprout some green shoots. And I also do understand that there's a, there may be a complexity that a lot of the land that burned and where people lost their lives is owned by a trust on part of the island, a very famous trust that benefits the people, correct? So there's a lot of different layers of complexity, I think, when it comes to the, to the money. Brian, there are more competing interests on this little speck of land in the middle of the Pacific Ocean than anywhere else I know. Nothing is done easily. There is debate and pushback on any long-term solutions. And that is perhaps why it's going to take years. And look, I've talked to everybody this week about it. Even legendary surfer Laird Hamilton, I hate to be a name dropper, he told me the issues here are highlighting problems that they've had for years about affordable housing for locals mm -hmm. while catering to tourists. But you need those tourism dollars. It's attention. It's attention that isn't going away. Yeah. And we're glad you're there because it is an important story and one that I'm glad you're staying on. Jane Wells, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. On that note, right now on Capitol Hill, bipartisan tax bill has been floating around that could finally come to a vote next week. It includes a proposal to help victims of wildfire damage relief, like what Jane was just talking about, by making any money from relief funds tax exempt. Right now, if your home, say, burned down in the 2018 PG&E fire and you get a settlement from the victim's trust, that money can be taxed, meaning you will likely be left with less than you are awarded or stuck with a big tax bill or maybe don't have enough either way because the combo to cover damages or rebuild. Joining us now is California Congressman Doug LaMalfa, whose district was most impacted by the PG&E Camp Wildfire in 2018, and he is working with Republican Congressman Mike Thompson of Napa on this bill. Congressman, I know we're not having the best tech signal. We might have to drop out, so I'm glad you're joining us. Is this going to come to a vote next week as part of that broader tax package? Uh, that, that's the plan. It's a, it has four time for next week, so we're hoping we can get it across the goal line here. This particular bill idea has been waiting for quite a while to be included in other packages, and so we think uh, certainly on its own there's a very broad support. So the overall package, I think, well, should be successful, both the House and the Senate, and bipartisan. And my, uh, Mike Thompson's been very helpful from down in the wine country. He, he, by the way, is a Democrat. I don't think you'd want to mislabel him here. Oh, so, gosh. I say Republican? I'm, oh. <laughs> I, I'm the Republican up here. So it's a good bipartisan bill. It's really not a partisan you know, issue. I'm glad you're working together. So we'll just say that it's, it's fine. This time, I, I can pull that off and not get... Uh, yeah, I knew that. I apologize for that. It's been a long week. It's been a long week, Congressman. Is, is there anybody in Capitol Hill that is, per se, not willing to vote on your part of the bill 
Or if it fails, is it just because of other things unrelated in that tax package? Well, there, it really wouldn't be because of our bill, our portion of the bill here and the other disaster portions of the bill as well. I mean, it's, a, it's an overall tax package. But again, it's had the blessing on, in the Senate and the House by both parties. And so I really don't see a problem. It's just a matter of timing of, of getting it across the line. So it does have floor time this week, finally. So I'm, I'm optimistic about it. But until you see it done and signed by the president, you know, you want to keep working. And I, I, I'm going to let you get back to work out there. A Republican Congressman Doug LaMalfo working with... Importantly, 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 this is important because the people, the awards they're getting for the damages should not be taxed by the government. It's not a government intervention. It's not a government transaction. And certainly part of the deal was going to be yeah. is that they were going to have to pay the in- income tax on the attorney's fees that, that helped get this to happen. So the attorneys weren't going to pay it. Yeah. So. This, this legislation helps rectify both of those angles on that. And then we need to look harder at what Forest Service is doing to manage the land here in California yeah. and the West. Well, that makes it a wild problem anyway. So. Well, we're glad you and Democratic Congressman Mike Thompson. Of, why would I think there's a Republican out of Napa? Anyway, Congressman Doug LaMalfa, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good luck on the bill. It's very important. All right. On deck, why Amazon Prime video customers may let out a primal scream come Monday. Laura Martin up with that. All right, let's get to tomorrow's news tonight. First up, a 737 MAX 9 jet has returned to the air. Alaska flight 1146 took off from Seattle not long ago. That's it. Headed for San Diego. This is the jet's first commercial flight since being grounded earlier this month. Would you be on that? Ask yourself. That follows a mid-flight blowout of a door plug. United Airlines set to resume MAX flight 9s tomorrow. I might be on one. All right, next up, Mackenzie Scott, former wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, sold over 65 million shares of Amazon last year. You heard that right. That means Scott likely unloaded more than 10 billion worth of Amazon stock last year. Don't worry, she'll be fine. Still worth tens of billions of other dollars. And finally, if you are an Amazon Prime video user, you may want to listen up. Starting Monday, the entire platform is automatically shifting to a completely ad-based model, meaning all the movies and TV shows on Prime will have commercials. If that is not your jam, you can opt out by paying an additional 3 bucks a month. With essentially half the U.S. population having a Prime subscription, could this mean major ad profits for Amazon? New report from Morgan Stanley estimates Amazon will earn over $3 billion in ad revenue just this year. That could surge to $7 billion over the next two years. What does that mean for Amazon and the industry as a whole? Let's bring in now Needham & Company Managing Director, Senior Internet and Media Analyst Laura Martin, in our view the leading media and tech analyst in America. <laughs> Laura, you must have your own estimates. I don't want to quote Morgan Stanley to you. Where do you come in on this? 50 billion. They're wrong by magnitude. So Amazon reports their advertising now as a separate segment, and they did 50 billion. Uh, we think they'll do 46 billion round numbers this year, growing 20% at a 60% margin. And the next highest margin at Amazon is the AWS, that cloud margin, which they report at 30%. So a per, total profitability, advertising is about 70% of their reported profits every year already. And they don't have a single connected television dollar because that's what they're about to launch on Monday. So that's going to be a big driver of profitability upside. $50 billion? I feel like I should put my pinky to the side of my lip when I say that. Really? That much? <laughs> yep. They have a huge advertising business that, that was growing sort of under the covers while people weren't looking. Apparently, the ad market is not dead. Is that what we're hearing? 
Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting about Amazon that's going to sort of change the world here, Brian, is that Amazon will take those ad units. By the way, people don't need to pay the extra $3 a month right away because when you open up all these 200 million global subscribers to ad units, they won't have advertisers in most of those ad units. They're just not going to be able to fill the time. So most consumers are going to see one ad an hour for six months, and then they'll sell more ads, and over time it will build up. But at the beginning... You're not going to see very many ads because they just opened a new product. Yeah, but the amazing. point is, Brian, they're going to be able to link the ad on your television. If you buy something on Amazon right away, they're going to be able to close that loop. We yeah. can buy something on your smartphone after watching an ad on Amazon Prime. That is a hugely valuable, you know, linear to yeah. like TV ad. And they already know what you're looking for on Amazon.com. So this would be perfect. Laura Martin, amazing. Needham and Company, thank you very much. I'll get secret aardvark barbecue hot sauce ads the entire show. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about cool new ways to watch sports and go to the Detroit Sports Bar. That's next. We're going to show you some really cool stuff now. It's pioneering new technology that could transform the way you watch live sports. A partnership between our colleagues at NBC Sports and Cosm is bringing immersive so-called shared reality technology to sports broadcasts. Cosm will present Premier League games, soccer games, Notre Dame football, Big Ten, and some other more sports using state-of-the-art visuals and 8K domes to make you feel like you are there. Let's bring in Cosm CEO Jeb Terry to break down how all this works. I saw a, a video of it. it. What is an 8K dome? Is that kind of like the, the sphere in Vegas? Brian, it's this massive LED dome that comes up and around you, over your head, total encompassing. It's 26 meters in diameter, actually gets up to 12K resolution, and it's an absolutely mind-blowing piece of technology. So the video that we're showing, you, you probably can't see it, but it's the video you sent us. It's, we had a yep. soccer game, sorry, football. We had boxing, UFC. <laughs> that is not live. Those are, that, is, that, that basketball game is not live. That is in your video technology. That's right. That's a live feed coming into our display and then rendering it across this dome. And this video is actually taken from our experience center in Salt Lake City. And so this is where we test it and prototype it, bring in partners to showcase what we do. It's a hard thing to describe, Brian, but it is the most mind-blowing live sports experience that you've ever seen. I, I, I can see it just from here, and it looks amazing. Yeah. So how will it work? Is it going to be like eventually this gets built out with partnership with NBC Sports, and I go to Salt Lake City because I want to, wa- or I go to wherever you're going to build the next one, so I can watch my beloved Virginia Tech Hokies go 11 and 0 next year? Well, I mean, with your Hokies, I got to say, go Heels. You know, we've had some oh. battles in the past. Yeah, got to got to put it out there, Sorry. Brian. But you know, look, you can come to a Cosm and you can see your favorite sport, your favorite concert, your favorite piece of content live. And it's in this amazing venue with great food, great drinks, an incredible scene. And it's the same energy that you want and crave when going to an actual game itself, but from a more comfortable, easier area. You know, not everybody can get to a stadium, let alone go into a Premier League match across the pond here. And so now we get to bring that live and surround you with fans and it's just an amazing experience time and time again. So when does it, and by the way, got no, got no issue with the heels. The other team up the road in Durham <laughs> sometimes. When is this going to get built out? Yeah, so our first venue is opening in Los Angeles later this year um, at the end of the second quarter. And then our second venue is opening in North Texas outside of Dallas 
in the colony later this year, and then we have multiple more coming. So we're going to be announcing three, four, five, and, and hopefully many, many more across the globe uh, in the future soon. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, have a great weekend. Like the ACC rivalry. Always a good time. Thank you. Brian, thanks for having me, man. Uh, have a good one. All right, you too. Be well. All right, let's wrap it with a Sully side up. Detroit style, where Lions fever's in full swing in real life. And business owners are benefiting big time from the team's deep playoff run, best since 1991. Now, the Lions had a home game last week, and the city printed money. And while this week's game, of course, is out in San Francisco, local biz still going to benefit as fans roll out to watch the game with friends. So let's bring in and back our friend John Gotchi. He is the owner now of Mike and Mona's Bistro outside Detroit in Wayne, Michigan. You may remember we met with John while we were out with the UAW workers back in September. John, good to see you and all, you, all your friends, the, Lion, the Lions crew back there. What does this Lions run mean for you, your business, and, and all the great UAW and Ford workers and everybody else we met while out there? I'm going to tell you what, it's been like uh, Christmas every day this week, and it's like sleepless nights. We can't wait for Sunday to get here. Business is booming. Everybody is ecstatic. We can't wait for the Sunday night game. Uh, we are very thankful as fans. We've been starved for 50-some years, and this is a blessing for the town and, and, and local businesses. You, you got you guys, and, and a lot of the folks we met, they got, a, they got a nice big new UAW contract, four years. They got a deep Lions run. We're not going to talk about the Pistons. Don't worry. But it's been a pretty good time in Detroit recently. I tell you what, it's it's great. You know, we got our neighbors and friends. Salaries uh, have doubled that work at the UAW, so they're spending more money. They're getting ready to enter the housing market now that they can afford a home. And, uh, you know, it's been a boom for local industry, especially in the plant towns. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's been great for the subcontractors as well because now they're getting raises, and we see uh, the benefits of that in our lunch crowd and dinner crowd and, Especially now with our Lions, uh, you know, fever out here. So you can uh, tell you this is like winning the lottery. Well, you can. So you're saying you can feel it. You can feel the effects of that contract. You can feel the effects of the game at your. I would imagine Sunday, you guys, because I got friends in Detroit and they like to party a lot. So you guys are going to be rocking all day, I assume. Oh my God, yes. People are calling, trying to get reservations, and we're just telling them first come, first serve because it's going to be a, it's going to be ruckus in here, and we can't wait. Well, listen, yeah, I want to hear a go Lions for the, for the crowd. We got, we, go got a, we got a message for the whole country. Let's go. Let's go Lions! Let's go Lions! See that? I love it. And, John, I'll tell you what. When the Lions win, I'm being optimistic, there better be a seat for me if I make it out to Detroit because I'm not going to make it to uh, wherever the Super Bowl is this year. John and all your friends, guys, have a great Friday night. Thank you all. Really appreciate it. There you go. You know, folks, 1991 was the last time. I mean, I had hair then. Okay? Congrats to Detroit and to San Francisco. But you guys make it like every other year. Thanks for watching. I'm off the next couple of nights. I'll see you next week. Take care. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.